0: welcome to volume 6 of next big hit Broadway bullet I'm your host Michael Gilbo and we're continuing with our extensive coverage of the New York musical theater festival we've got interviews and songs from such shows as virgins
2: Connect,
3: come and see me what can we
0: share today party come here
3: the party come
0: Night of the Hunter.
1: I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing a face full of wrinkles learning to live with the hair that Also,
0: Marty Cooper will be, be talking about I'm new composers in On the Positive Side. We also have a bonus track from the musical Go Go Beach as well. So, we got a lot of stuff for you. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. It's easy in iTunes and... Our link on the xml button on the front page of broadwaybullet.com gives information if you don't have itunes but you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed because we've got a lot of great stuff lined up we're going to be having an in-depth interview with Tony nominee Hunter Foster in volume nine and we will have a fabulous in-depth interview with Tony award winner Donna McKechnie in volume ten and we got a lot of great stuff in the works so subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and do us a favor keep giving us reviews in iTunes that it really helps us show people uh you know your enthusiasm to round up this fantastic talent for the interviews. We also have some great forums where you can discuss our show and anything theater related at broadwaybullet.com. I know no one wants to be first to a party, but we do have a lot of listeners and if a few of you start going there and posting, I guarantee a bunch of people are going to show up and then it'll be great. Not only do you have theater in common to talk about, but you have the show as well. So it'd be a great place to meet some new people with similar interests. A little later on in the program, we'll tell you how you can stump the staff to win a $20 gift certificate to the Drama Bookshop. But in the meantime, I'll announce this week's winning question. Calliope asks, Balzac and Beckett each wrote a play that coincidentally have similar plots and themes. Name the two plays. Are you stumped? We'll find out the answer and if the drama bookshop is stumped later on in the program. A lot of plays in the festival are selling out like crazy, so make sure you get your tickets soon. Go to nymf.org. The first show I'm going to speak with today is actually not sold out. They do have uh, three performances left. Well... If you get this past Wednesday night, there's two left. And it's a shame that it's not sold out because it really is a fantastic show. I had a chance to see it already and had a great time. So right now, I'm going to speak with two lovely Australian virgins. A few of the shows in the New York Musical Theater Festival have come from a long distance to participate in the festival. But I doubt if any of them can claim the prize of longest distance traveled as virgins can. We have two of the members from Virgins here from Melbourne, Australia. How are you doing?
4: Good. G'day.
0: (laughs) Would you like to take a quick second to introduce yourselves?
4: Hi, I'm Kelly Road. And I'm Verity Hunt-Ballard.
0: And you're Virgins, right?
4: Well, we are. (laughs) Well, we're in the cast
5: of Virgins. Let's just make that clear. (laughs) Three more nights we're Virgins.
0: (laughs) I, I love how the guitarist in your band opens up the show wearing a I banged a virgin. Isn't t-shirt. it
4: fantastic with Virgin V E R G I N?
0: What do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about the show Virgins?
4: Sure. There's actually three short musicals in this one night, which makes it unique straight away. The first musical is called The Virgin Wars, which um, the five women who are in the show play um, American cheerleaders who uh, tour high schools promoting abstinence and celibacy. It's very funny. And the second piece is called Girl on the Screen, which is a completely different style. It's a burlesque, sexy piece, which is about um, a journalist investigating um, a story about women who run their own software porn websites and it kind of explores the are they enslaved are they empowered theme and the third piece um which is lots of people's favorite i have to say is called jumping the queue which is a reality song contest for refugees who uh if they win the competition win um a recording contract and citizenship papers into australia so um that one's perhaps a little bit more political and comedy but um yeah quite confronting i think towards the end
0: also the five of you also get to play within these different shows a lot of range of characters I understand yeah
4: it's it's
5: golden as an actor to be able to um very quickly have to go between comedy and and tragedy in a way I mean it is it's funny the show is funny for sure right the way through the piece but it ends um it's dealing with issues that are very real and very now and it's wonderful being a cast of five women, five Australian women. Yeah, it is, it's It's quintessentially an Australian piece but it's very universal so anyone from any country really can relate to it. And Matt Frank and Dean Bryant, the writers, have an incredible way of... Taking the audience on a trip of, of comedy and then pulling at the heartstrings. And it's wonderful as an actor to be able to <laughs> have to slip mm. in between these characters that are very
4: contrasting for all of us. Yeah, there's not many shows where you could play an American cheerleader and then a sexy burlesque performer of some sort and then a, and a, ref, a refugee from Iran or from Colombia or, you know, the, mm. I mean, the range is a gift for any actor. Mm. And they are so clever in that the audience, they'll have you laughing and then crying and then going, <gasps> (gasps) why am I laughing at that and making you think which is what's so fantastic about their work Mm.
0: and I have to say it's nice interviewing a show that I've had a chance to see actually for once here (laughs) and the the thing before I do the interview and I do have to say that any guys who are interested in getting to know Kelly a little bit better uh, (laughs) might want to sit in the front row of the show oh
1: my goodness yes I have
4: the pleasure (laughs) I'll Uh, play some personal yeah the the burlesque piece it's fantastic I play um, I guess a narrator of sorts in the second piece in the burlesque and I do get to sit on someone's lap in the front row. But don't tell people that. That's terrible. I don't want people coming to the show. That's just a nice surprise if I get to choose a lucky man or woman in the front row. It was interesting
5: because we didn't know, obviously, coming to New York four out of the five women haven't been to New York before. And so, of course, we've come to your beautiful city and gone crazy. We love it. It's an amazing city. And we didn't know how audiences would react, you know. And um, Thursday night we opened to a beautiful, oh, receptive audience that just uh, were wonderful to play for. And the fact that in different countries people listen to different dialogue, they listen to different things and they laugh in different spots and are affected by different things. And that's really interesting as a performer traveling around the place, seeing what different people react to.
0: Now, I understand the the writer of the show is the first Australian to have a musical produced off-Broadway? Yeah, the
5: writer and composer are a team, Matthew Frank and Dean Bryant, and their first show, The Prodigal, was the first show off-Broadway, and now Virgins... Yeah, they're they're a team to to listen up to. They're amazing, amazing,
0: yeah. Now, how long have you been involved with Virgins?
4: Well, almost a year, actually. It was probably um, almost a year ago that we auditioned for the show. Was it October last Mm -hmm. year? Um, And then after we were successful, thank thank goodness, we um, started the rehearsal process, which was actually quite a workshop process in the beginning. We literally had scripts on a table and were reading the scripts and discussing what worked, what didn't, what people, you know, everybody's opinions, basically, which was fantastic for us. Um, and we rehearsed for about two months, part-time, on-off, to get the piece to where it is. It was the first time that the show's been done with all three musicals put together in one night. And each individual show needed, you know, there were issues that needed to be addressed. And um, it was very rewarding for us because as a performer, we felt like we'd really contributed to the journey of our characters. And there's an attachment that's been formed there because of that. I think it's going to be hard to in the future perhaps watch somebody else play these roles because we've been you know all five of us have been an integral part I think in um the journeys of the characters and eventually you know kind of the boys writing around what what we'd come up with in a day and the next day they'd come with a new script and say okay what do we think of this and it's so rewarding especially as Australians to you know we don't we have limited opportunities I think unfortunately in our country to um to work on such quality writing, and I think these boys are fantastic.
0: All right, would one of you like to introduce the first song we're going to play from Virgins?
4: The first song is called Strong Girl from our first piece
5: called Virgin Wars, and it's sung by Rosemary Harris, Esther Hannaford and myself, Verity.
0: And uh, is there anything people need to know to set up the song? Just
5: listen up for the lyrics of Strong Girl. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear it's uh, musically influenced by a, a, a pop Artist of the day, and uh, listen Go to the it. lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> are, the lyrics are very clever. The
1: pressure to have sex can be overwhelming. If you're alone with your boyfriend, don't be afraid to set boundaries. It's your right to say how much is too much. Oh, baby, baby, I can see the look in you. To the desperation You can't disguise oh honey. oh honey, honey, Loving you is hard on me too But there's things you want I just won't do Don't tell me I'm uptight You're not right You're wrong You'll love me when I say Not today When I'm ready We'll be long Cause I'm a strong girl You can't touch me For you wanna and You're gonna try and push You wanna be there in the end. How could you not tell me you had sex? I wanted to be in the group, hang out with you. Go places! But you're not a virgin! I'm not a criminal! Those songs we sing out there, they're not just rah-rah-rah and box steps, Veronica. Those girls put their souls on the line two afternoons a week. You've treated their dreams like a pair. The commercials are wrong, Veronica. Some stains don't wash out. Oh, lover, lover, hold me close and tell me no lies. Cause the love I need is there in your eyes. Oh, my, dirty baby. my dirty baby, love don't mean I'll rush into that. Cause a girl like me knows where she's at. Don't tell me that I'm cold, it gets old, okay? Body, stay away Cause I'm a strong girl, you can't touch me So you wanna, so you're gonna try and push me I'm a runner, cause a strong girl is her own friend And you wait if you wanna be there in the end Share some things you can't do alone Like backup dancing We're supposed to be virgins You did not mention that in the audition What, you told her? I thought you were gonna keep your mouth shut None of you are virgins! Catherine probably is.
0: You mentioned uh, earlier that, for four of you, this is your first time in New York City.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> How are you guys Oh, playing? yeah.
4: <laughs> we are loving it. <laughs> Just loving it. It's such an amazing city. I thought that it would be a bit overwhelming and a bit, um, a bit of a rat race and a bit nasty and a bit, you know, kind of have a vibe that was a little bit... Uh, I don't know, full on, but uh, it is... We just
0: put that across to keep, you know, (laughs) too many people from coming. Yeah,
4: it works. (laughs) But I have to say, it was... Um, It's such an invigorating, exciting, inspiring city and I have, I mean I love Melbourne, I'm definitely an Australian and I love home but I did not think I would love New York this much. When I saw the lights of Broadway coming in from the airport, uh, there were tears in my eyes. I loved it. and
5: everybody's so friendly and you know Matt Murphy is our American producer here and we a group of We came in at different times, but a group of us rocked up after a twenty-seven hour flight <laughs> from Auckland, LA to, to, New Ze- uh, to New York. And Matt Murphy met us at ten o'clock at night, and we were all buzzing up, you know, seeing the lights and stuff. And has been very warm and generous and everybody here, you know, they're just like, oh, say something else. Your accents are so cute. Can you say that again? And they're, they're very warm towards Australians. I don't know what they're like to other
4: people, but we've been <laughs> welcomed and, and we yeah, have it's been, been great. nurtured. We've had a very wonderful experience. Everybody's mm. been very warm. And so I don't know what everybody else is talking about. We're having a fantastic time. New York rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Now, it must have been quite an undertaking bringing the entire ensemble over here. Mm. Besides the actors, how many people came from Australia for the production?
5: There's 11 people from Australia here, and... It's very much a piece from the heart. We've, we've pretty much paid for ourselves to get over here and, and throughout the rehearsal process and the season in Melbourne, which was a sell-out season in Melbourne. But we do it because we're incredibly passionate about the piece. We uh, Natalie Marsland, the choreographer, and I flew over together and we had to take part of the set with us, with our <laughs> luggage, these two massive uh, <laughs> archway lights, And you can imagine at immigration at customs. They're like, uh, excuse me, ma'am, what, what is in there? <laughs> saying oh, it's part of a set for a show that we're doing, and, you know, it's been, it's all in, all in for the love of it.
0: That, that reminds me, at least it wasn't as bad as there was a reporter who went to uh, Canada to interview the band New Pornographers, and, uh-huh. you know, they're, they're really strict to pornography in Canada, and the guy hadn't heard of the band, and so he said he was there to interview the new pornographers, and he got uh-huh. pulled aside. Oh,
4: no. <laughs> you have detained. to be kind of careful. Yeah. I think you have to be careful how you word things. Yeah.
5: And, you know, some of the costumes in the second piece are pretty skimpy, and if they were looking through our luggage going, um,
4: girls, what's this for? Yeah,
0: Yeah, but you're coming into New York, so... uh... That's right.
4: (laughs) Yeah, we figured there'd be some leeway there.
0: We see people on the streets wearing what you wear on the stage. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, we we feel very at home here. We don't feel particularly risque. It was much more risque in Melbourne. I'll yeah, tell you that much. Yeah.
0: But with the whole trip, you did have a little bit of help in getting here.
4: We did. Well, it's um, sort of a combination of things. Really, we um, Matt Murphy sourced a grant from for us over here, which was fantastic, and we also um, put together for most of the funds uh, a concert back home called Virgins Unplugged, um, which was um, which featured music from the show and a whole lot of. Australian celebrities who very generously gave their time and we raised most of the funds for our flights. So um, between us and Matt Murphy's help over here and, um, and of course, the festival inviting us over, we raised um, part of the funds. So, yeah, we haven't sort of had to do it all on our own backs, which was great.
0: Well, you were talking earlier about how... Uh Jumping the queue is, deals with immigration, and I understand that you had a very special guest in attendance at your first performance here. We
5: did. I have to make, make clear before we talk about that, you you guys say line. Do you know what the queue is? A queue is? In, in Australia, we say if we yeah. line up at the bank, it's a queue, but you guys say the line? Yeah. Yeah, so it's jumping the queue, which means jumping the line. But, uh, yeah, we had, uh, on opening night, we had Amanda Vanstone, who is our Federal Minister for Immigration. And the third piece, Jumping the Cue, does slightly um, mock the immigration policy in Australia. And we found out a couple of minutes before we went on for opening night that Amanda Vanstone will be in the audience. She was invited from the Australian Consulate. Mm. We thought, ooh, how's she going to take that? It and was... she was chuckling away. <laughs> she was
4: loving it. We was she... looking out in the audience and she very much enjoyed mm. it. And so... I think it was fantastic. We couldn't have had a more appropriate audience member. I think it was perfect. Yeah. Young and old, right wing, left wing. It's, Absolutely. It's a show for everyone. Yeah. And the guys wrote it to make a stand and to make a comment and to express their opinion and to make people think. So as far as reaching the right audience, it was just perfect. It was amazing. It was great for the boys, I'm sure, to know that, you know, what they believe and, um, you know, written in, in this form was being heard by the right ears. Mm-hmm. It was great.
0: So you have a chance to catch any other shows while you're here in New York?
4: Absolutely. Well, we're starting with Altar Boys tonight, which we're looking forward to. Um, what, what
0: happens when the Altar Boys and the Virgins get together?
4: Oh, it's so wow. much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can check out a, a, on a Yes, on a we have. You can check out. We've had a photo shoot with the
5: boys, and they were, obviously they were very... Warm. (laughs) Very
4: encouraging, very supportive. Enthusiastic. (laughs) But so were we, hey. On Playbill.com, we've had a photo shoot with the guys and um, they were really lovely guys and we're looking forward to seeing their show tonight and I think they're coming to see us this week. So it's a mutual thing. You know, virgins support altar boys, altar boys support virgins. And now with opening night... um,
5: been and gone, and we'll, we'll be able to check out some more shows. Obviously, it's well, you know, how
4: can you come to New York and not check out the theatre? Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of choosing which ones. There's so many to choose from. We don't really have that luxury in Australia. You know, you have more theatres and more musicals in one street than we do in the entire country. So, um, you know, the festival alone has so many to choose from. So, we're literally going to have to do an eeny, mini miny, mo and choose and then go with it. Yeah.
0: Alright, well before we play the last song from Virgins, what dates can they catch the show?
4: Tomorrow, Wednesday the 20th at 9 o'clock and Friday the 22nd at 8 o'clock and then our last performance on Tuesday um, at 8 o'clock, so um, there's three more shows left. At the Borough Group Theatre. On 36th.
0: Well, would you like to tell us a little bit about the second song we're going to play here from Virgins?
4: Sure. The second song is um, called Connect, um, which is actually my personal favourite. Um, And it's from the second piece, Girl on the Screen. And this is sung by... um, The three women in the piece who uh, run their own porn websites and The Journalist. This song um, most recently has um, been written about in um, the review that we uh, got on Talkin' Broadway here and uh, the boys were likened to uh, Sondheim and Jason Robert Brown with this song in particular in mind. So um, I think that's fantastic for the boys. I think it's actually one of the best songs that I've heard that they've ever written.
5: And it's performed by Esther Hannaford, Rosemary Harris... Myself, Verity, and Amanda Levy.
0: Thanks for coming down and talking about Virgins with our listeners at Broadway Bullet.
5: A pleasure. Thank you, Michael.
0: We are going to continue talking, and in a couple weeks we'll play you know, the rest of our interview, which we'll talk about the Australian theatre scene for everybody.
4: Fantastic.
2: High in their towers, alone in their suburbs, freeways and subways and more. working for hours. Fighting the panic, the pace never falls But what are they working and fighting for? Rewards that don't quench their desire
6: From all
2: of those towers and suburbs, it burns like fire
1: to grow up, rejecting my childhood, lipstick and condoms and beer, drinking to throw up, laughing too loudly, don't wanna be here, but watching her grow now I recognize that need to be more
4: Why, journalism? It ticked all the boxes. I could write. It was about truth. I could be at the forefront of the action.
7: I could be an important woman. Rushing for headlines, aiming for
2: deadlines. Am I making a mark? When I switch on the camera I shine to the world through the dark
0: So remember, there are indeed tickets left to virgins, so rush out quick and don't miss the show. Every week, Marty Cooper brings to us his segment called On the Positive Side. He has 25 years experience working at the Colony Music Store in the heart of Broadway, and he's met and seen just about everybody. Next week, he's going to be back from his trip to London, and he'll be talking about the West End theater scene at the moment. But this week... He's talking about the new composers.
6: This week, I'm going to talk about the new breed of composers that are coming to Broadway. Are they being replaced by rock composers? I mean, Elton John has had a few successes. Last one being a flop, Lestat. We're still waiting for Billy Elliot, so he's had successes. He comes from the rock era. In actuality, Frank Wildhorn came from the pop era. He wrote a a song for Whitney Houston. Duncan Sheik who has, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, who has the uh, off-Broadway import, uh, Spring Awakening, is also from the pop field. But now we have, uh, we have a new breed of composers that seem to be taking over. They seem to be children of some of the older breed because you hear a lot of things going on that you recognize you know, from earlier composers. Jason Robert Brown, for instance, who has given us a few wonderful pieces of music, none of them unfortunately successful, but have made a great impression. One being Songs for the New World, the other being Last Five Years, which people will be singing and touting the songs of for the next five years. And of course, The Giant Parade, which uh, about a, a factory foreman accused of raping and murdering a 14-year-old girl. It wasn't really thought of as theater fair for a lot of people, but incredibly staged by Harold Prince, incredible music. You might want to look into that, that music. It's great. Adam Gettle, who has some good genes in his family. He's the son of Mary Rogers Gettle, composer of Once Upon a Mattress, and the grandson of the great Richard Rogers. He wrote great musical last year which I thought should have probably won best musical and that was Light in the Piazza. Music is glorious. He's written a couple of other pieces, one being a song cycle Myths and Hymns. Great songs from that. And the other is the elusive is a much elusive Floyd Collins, which played at Playwright's Horizons, and really should really deserves a Broadway House. The Music is wonderful, the story is wonderful. I won't go into the story, but it's supposedly based on a true story. The music done in a country style is fascinating. It's great to listen to. Now we have David Yazbek, who last year gave us *Dirty Rotten The Scoundrels. A few years ago, did the musical version of Full Monty. I, for one, love his stuff. It's done in a jazz pop style. He having put out two albums, under, or three albums now, under his name, Yazbek. Actually, his music is great to listen to. It, the His shows reflect his style. In my mind, I hear, especially in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, little touches of Cy Coleman. And if he goes in that direction, uh, he's gonna be a good composer, a good theater composer indeed. But then again, Cy Coleman came from the pop feel. He was writing songs for people like Frank Sinatra and Peggy Lee, to name a few. Now we have Michael John Lacusa, who hasn't had a lot of coverage on Broadway. His one Broadway Broadway show was The Wild Party, his version of The Wild Party. In my mind, to me, that's the better version. It might have been because of the all-star cast they had, like uh, people like Tony Collette, Mandy Patinkin, Eartha Kitt, the great Eartha Kitt. Very downbeat, very awkward story. Two hours and 20 minutes without an intermission. But to me, it worked. should have been a hit. It's a popular piece of music uh, amongst theatergoers. And last but not least, we have Ricky and Gordon, whose only touch. With theater recently was a show that they did at playwrights with the wonderful, with the wonderful Kelly O'Hara, called My Life with Albertine. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, some of you might be upset with my taste, but uh, uh, I enjoyed the show a lot. I thought it was very different. And it was very well cast. It had Brent Carver and Kelly O'Hara. I thought that my life with Albertine was very imaginative. I was taken by the characters. Of course, you're not going to make it on Broadway basing a musical on Proust. Uh, It just doesn't happen. But then again, I thought uh, Victor Hugo wouldn't make it on Broadway either. Thanks, and until next week, keep on the positive side.
0: On the Positive Side is brought to you by The Colony, located at 49th and Broadway in the heart of Manhattan and online at colonymusic.com. Marty and his friendly staff are always ready to help you find the best in musical theater scores, karaoke, and cast albums. And they got a whole lot more. Another one of our promotional partners in New York is the Ars Nova Theater. And this is a great place to support if you're looking at catching a lot of developing acts and playwrights and such. Ars Nova was founded three years ago and opened its doors in memory of Gabe Weiner with the goal of bringing a home for artists to develop and perform new works in an intimate audience setting. Ars Nova produces theater, comedy, and music events, making exciting live entertainment accessible to a New York audience at affordable prices. In addition to fully staged production... Ars Nova offers a free play reading series, Out Loud, an alternative music and comedy series, Thursdays at 10, a musical theater series, Broadway Spotlight, a singer-songwriter series, Uncharted, and in-house writers' workshops. For more information, visit www.arsnovanyc.com. In addition, Ars Nova has tons of special concert events tied in with the New York Musical Theater Festival through the first, so check those out as well. But let's stop in and touch base with our next show from the Nymph Festival, The Star-Studded Affair, Party Come Here. I'm sitting here with the writers of one of the most buzzed about productions from the New York Musical Theater Festival, Party Come Here. How are you guys doing?
8: Great. Great. You want to
0: introduce yourselves quickly for everybody?
8: I'm David Kirschenbaum. I'm the composer-lyricist of the show. I'm Daniel Goldfarb, and I am the book writer.
9: What is Party Come Here about? Party Come Here is about a shy guy who has overwhelming parents and an overwhelming girlfriend, and he goes to Rio where he meets a 500-year-old Jewish caveman and learns to break out of his shell.
8: It's a typical musical comedy. Yeah.
9: I guess it's about spirituality, and it's about um, embracing life and not being afraid and breaking out of your shell.
8: We were really lucky on this because so many shows are either based on a movie and it's something that people have in their mind and they have to, as a writer, you have to live up to people's expectations of comparing it to the source material or you start with an original show that has nothing and you're completely starting from scratch. And in this case, the show is based on a play that Daniel wrote which is a terrific play. And as soon as I read it, I I just saw it as a musical.
9: I was always really proud of it as a play, but there was always something missing because it has a lot of magic in it. Uh, It is about faith and spirituality. It takes place in Rio. It has larger-than-life characters who do sort of madcap, larger-than-life things. And... You know, when David first read the play and we talked about turning it into a musical, the first song he wrote was called That's What I Want, and it was just thrilling to see the characters sing and to realize... How was this ever a play? You know, I actually felt like, oh, I wrote a book for a musical, not a play. So it's been really fun for the play to sort of come to life in a new way with a collaborator who is totally in tune with my voice, and then for me to go back in, you know, and let it become something new.
8: Because at the time we started writing, you really had never worked on a musical before. Now
9: you've done a
8: few, but this was really your first.
9: Musicals is how I fell in love with theater in the first place, which I think is how most people fell in love with theater. But I somehow managed to not have an opportunity to work on one until this one. and then sort of the floodgates open.
0: So what was the process like adapting the existing play?
9: It's always it's
8: always scary at first. maybe my own neurosis and I never am sure whether any collaborator I work with is going to like what I write. but Daniel was very trusting and just sort of let me. Have some time to sort of get inside his head and get inside the heads of his, these characters that he came up with, and I wrote a couple songs and he came over and heard them, and we just sort of took it from there and went, shot ideas back and forth. He helped a lot at the beginning, where he saw songs, you know. Where he thought the song should go in the show and what the vocabulary, the musical vocabulary of the characters might be. We had a lot of long conversations about that. I was at the same time doing sort of some musical research to listen to Brazilian music and uh, the girl from Ipanema and The Waters of March. Sergio Mendes. Yeah, and Antonio Carlos Jobim and all that kind of thing. And so it was sort of trying to get into Daniel's head in terms of the. The, the lyrics, and get inside a, a, a new milieu for me musically, which is Rio
9: de Janeiro. And, and then once we had enough music and enough songs, then I had to so, sort of take the play and give it the fluidity of a musical and, you know, cut and allow, you know, a scene. I couldn't have five pages of dialogue leading into a song, I had to have two and a half pages of dialogue leading into a song. And. Sort of somehow allow, and and one song could take place in three different locations, and somehow the show had to move in a way that it didn't move when it was a play, and that was part of the fun of it, allowing it to sort of become something else. Something evolved from being a very quirky off-Broadway play to something that's a more that's still quirky, very quirky off-off-Broadway musical. musical. (laughs) Yeah, but but it sort of has. a joyfulness and a generosity that it maybe didn't have as a play.
0: What was the history of this as a play?
9: I wrote the play at Juilliard um, my first year of school, and I had gone to South America that summer, and I spent one night in Rio, and I met a couple. I met, like, this 50-year-old Jewish guy from Toronto who had relocated in Rio and had a 29-year-old Brazilian bride. And they lived in this sort of empty, massive, loft space that looked over the beach. But they really didn't communicate very well. And I just thought there was something fun in that. And I started writing a play about who... Because he had an ex-wife in Toronto and he had kids that were my age. And I started writing about that kid and that couple and their breakup and his new life. And then on page 10, I wrote... A 500-year-old Jewish caveman (laughs) walks onto the stage. You know, I don't really know where (laughs) that came from. I don't know. This is the first time hearing of any of that. And slowly the play sort of evolved into what it became. I'd actually always been interested in Murano Jews, and I had seen this documentary called The Crypto-Jews of New Mexico about Jews that had, uh, during the Spanish Inquisition, that converted and, and practiced their religion in, you know, underground And I thought there was something really interesting about it and how, and all of a sudden I I wrote a Morano Jew into the script and he meets this young guy who has these crazy parents and somehow the play was born. But that's the first time I ever heard about the 50-year-old with the younger wife that you
8: met down in Brazil. And her name was
9: Valeri. That's how I came up with the name.
8: The things you learn from doing a podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. So before we go on, would you like to take a moment to introduce the first song from that we're going to play?
8: I think the first song that you're going to play is the our sort of title song, the, "The Party Come Here," which is sung by the character of Valeri, based on the
9: the Brazilian <laughs> the young wife that I never knew existed in real life till now. Valeri was, um, I guess, born and raised on a favela. Which is, which is sort of like the slums of Rio that are on the hills. But she's met this wealthy American. Uh, his name is Wood, and she's married him, and she's sort of warm and very spiritual. And desperately um, trying to learn English. And desperately trying to learn English. That's probably enough.
3: If your whole life's smelling sour, I have the answer for sure. This is the place that can take you and make you a cure. For hundreds of years, this lesson you learn. So hand me your ears. Sing sim, a beating heart. And the fun it starts. If you play it smart, then it has. you, Even a piña colada de nada will do People be glad when they've seen ya After a night in the town Get out and be seen And drink it all down globe it's spin and we serve up sin on a biscuit if you're in mood for a blowout Rio is final frontier from each port of call
0: a lot of buzz surrounding this show at the festival, and probably in no small part due to the outstanding cast that you've lined up for a
9: festival production. Amazing I, cast. Yeah, it is insane. You want to tell us a little bit of who's, who's in the show? Hunter Foster and Terrence Mann and Fivish Finkel are our men. And
8: Carrie Butler, Caitlin Hopkins, and Karen Olivo are the women. And we have a terrific four-person ensemble as well. A producer
0: would have to raise up a few million just to get those people,
9: huh? Yeah, no, it's been and and they've been so generous. They they come over to David's house to learn songs and we we don't start rehearsals for a week, but they're already sort of all, you know, doing their work ahead of time and they couldn't be more generous to us and we're thrilled and to to go over there when they're rehearsing and hear them singing in David's living room is is, is a treat. Uh,
0: what are some of the other projects you guys have worked on?
9: I wrote a
8: musical adaptation of the movie Summer of 42 about uh, four years ago with uh, with Hunter Foster was my collaborator on that. Hunter did a play of Daniel's last year as well.
9: I've uh, written three plays that have been done uh, off-Broadway in New York. A play called Adam Bomb and the Jew movie. That was done years back at blue light a play called sarah sarah that was done at manhattan theater club and a play called modern orthodox that hunter was in uh that was done last year at dodger stages and then i um this I year. Just made my broadway debut as the co-book writer of martin short fame becomes me now, And who up, did you co-write the book with with martin short <laughs> <laughs> i was out of town
8: doing a musical in california this summer too uh, based on the play Vanities, and it was interesting, though, because Daniel was on the road with the Martin Short Show, and I was out in California with, with this new thing of mine, but we were both already looking forward to doing Party Come Here in the festival.
9: And yeah, so. we would try to find times to start casting. We were really, we were on the ball. We were mm-hmm. trying to get everything done way ahead of time. Uh, we had our cast all set by the end of June. Mm-hmm. So we were we were
8: ready. It really is two weeks in between the cracks with all these people doing other things. Hunters doing the producers on Broadway. Carrie Butler's doing a soap. Caitlin Hopkins is about to start rehearsals for the Grinch I know, musical. The Grinch. I, one of the things I'm most excited about is is the casting of Ish Finkel because, yeah. and I, I I guess partly because it was my idea, but I just I always <laughs> loved him on on Picket Fences and
9: and uh, he with, has this incredible joy for performing and he sort of. His acting style is, is of another era. He's one of the last, you know, guys from the Yiddish theater, and it's thrilling to watch him. Our whole cast, uh, or when we did the reading last year, and Hunter and Terry and um, Caitlin were in it, they just, they were really generous with him, and he was really generous with them, and just to see him up there was really, really exciting. The last person
0: that you just didn't say what they've done, for our listeners who don't know, Terrence Mann. Sure.
9: Terrence yeah. Mann
8: was the original Javert in Les Mis, the original Rum Tum Tugger in Cats, and
9: the original Beast in Beauty and yeah. the Beast. He's yeah, an incredible career. Karen
8: Olivo did Rent and Brooklyn, which of course you know is sort of a whole different style of musical. So we sort of covered our bases with, with this yeah. cast. We
9: just came from a rehearsal with Karen, and she is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I'm to sure hear we're her making... in a 99 seat theater <laughs> sing those songs. Yeah. Is I can't even I can't even believe it. I'm sure we're making
0: all of our listeners salivate incredibly. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is the soul show was sold out already. I know you're trying to get a couple other dates. Yeah, we're
9: trying our best. And something that I really am proud of about the show is that all six parts are, they all really have a lot to do. They all really get to shine. They all really have their moments, and so it's just going to be fun to see them all play off each other and play with each other.
0: Well, thanks for coming down and, oh, thank you and, for having and us. telling everybody about your show, and I'm, I'm sure they're they're not thanking you because now they're all just slicing their wrists wondering how they can <laughs> how come they missed or can get in to see this
9: <laughs> incredible
8: cast Stay tuned and keep yeah. your fingers crossed keep along your fingers with us fingers <laughs> that
9: these added shows is going to work out Well, good luck with all your future endeavors as well and,
0: and with the future of the show Thank, thank you, you very much, much.
7: You would be the one. My sights were set. I made my move, and now what's done is done. One thing you can't say about me is you don't know where I stand. Expressing my needs, I learned from Anne Rand. That's what I want, that's what I said when I saw you. You looked so cute in that bow tie. Chum and close confidant. That's what I want. It does no good to refuse me once I decide what I'm after. Denial doesn't amuse me. And you've been so understanding. If I sound selfish, excuse me. It isn't much I'm demanding. Little gifts, simple joys. One good man, two small boys. Brunch in bed view. Turtle Bay A cottage in Dorset, Vermont points for similar interests four points for family background three points for sexual prowess 3.8 for your looks and 4.2 for your brains that's 20 points all that remains is can you Sweet South American giant. For the ju-thing, I get it.
0: Now we answer our Stump the Staff question, and you can find out how to enter Stump the Staff to win a $20 iTunes gift certificate. This week, Calliope asked, Balzac and Beckett each wrote a play that, coincidentally, have similar plots and themes. Name the two plays. Well, the drama bookshop wasn't stumped. Matthew said Beckett was apparently unaware that Balzac had already written a play about waiting and waiting for some unseen savior that never appears. Beckett's, of course, is waiting for Godot, but not many are as familiar with Balzac's Mercadet. I hope I pronounced that right. It was written some time before Beckett's masterpiece and features a character in name only also called Godot, spelled G-O-D-E-A-U. Thanks for the question, Calliope. You win a $20 gift certificate to the Drama Bookshop, and anyone can enter. The Drama Bookshop does ship internationally, so you can use your gift certificate from wherever you happen to be. If you're looking at entering the contest, we take questions for a week leading up to the program, and then the Drama Bookshop has about six days to answer it. So just look for the link to enter Stump the Staff at www.broadwaybullet.com. Uh, somebody emailed me and said the link is hard to find, so today when I put up the show, I'm going to try to make it a lot easier for you to find the link. However, if you do take advantage and start using our forums, it'll be a lot clearer and a lot easier to find because we do it in our forums. So, remember, for any of your theater book needs, the Drama Bookshop is located on 40th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue in New York. They're also located on the web at www.dramabookshop.com. Their staff is top notch, obviously, and always ready to help. I also might want to mention that you can pick up Donna McKechnie's brand new book, Time Steps, there. Donna McKechnie is the Tony Award-winning actress who played Cassie in The Chorus Line. She has a fascinating book. She talks about her life in theater. And also she will be on our program on Volume 10 to talk about her life in theater, Chorus Line, her marriage with Michael Bennett, her fight with arthritis, and more. It really is a fantastic interview. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it.
1: We saw a funny, funny musical called Alter Boys.
9: Everyone's raving about Alter Boys, the new musical comedy and winner of the Outer Critics Award for Best Musical.
1: Just knocked us out of our seats. I couldn't
5: believe the dancing. I find myself just smiling and I look around and everybody had this big smile plastered on their face. It's really funny. <laughs> funny. 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 Over the top. It's a musical that is absolutely hysterical.
0: Really incredible.
5: Unbelievable. The boys were awesome. I
4: believe in the Alter Boys. They didn't even have to sing. They could have just stood up there.
9: It's fantastic.
4: Fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastic.
9: The Alter Boys give dynamite performances with infectious energy, raves the New York Times. Their songs are convincing enough to be on MTV. The critics agree. It's hysterical. Alter Boys. You'll laugh your mass off.
6: All my expectations were fulfilled.
9: <laughs> you can find out more information
0: by visiting alterboys.com. That's alterboys with a z. Com. There's two rounds of Broadway Idol remaining with the Nymph Festival. One lucky winner will win a concert promoted by Nymph and Ars Nova at the Ars Nova Theater and will feature the winner on Broadway Bullet as well and let him or her show her stuff. Three of the contestants were eliminated in the first round. Sam Eskandani, Jeff McLean, and Terry Lavelle have to say goodbye, but remaining in the competition are Shannon Amiri, Elizabeth DeRosa, Jacqueline Huberman, Beth Kirkpatrick, Jameson Lindenberg, and Katie Thompson. I was at the first round of Broadway Idol at the New World Stages. It's going to be these next two Friday nights for Elimination, and it was a lot of fun. They have some great celebrity judges, including Kevin Cahoon, the cast of Title of Show, and Mark Shaman. So you don't want to miss it. The party starts at 9 p.m. on Friday at New World Stages, and the competition starts around 11 p.m. Tickets are only $10. Visit nymf.org for more information. The festival's really picking up a lot of heat this year. There are tons of Tony-nominated and even Tony-winning people performing in the festival. I just saw Liz Larson in Having It Almost, which we interviewed a couple of the creators from in the first episode. And in our next show that we're going to be talking with, there's also tons of stars. With the exception of possibly Sweeney Todd, there haven't been a whole lot of musical thrillers out on the market, but coming to New York for the New York Musical Theater Festival is exactly that, a musical thriller, Night of the Hunter. We have three of the people involved with Night of the Hunter with us today. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us, Michael. Would everybody like to take a quick moment to introduce yourselves and what you do? I'm Stephen Cole, and I wrote the book and lyrics of Night of the Hunter.
10: I'm Brian Noonan, and I play the preacher.
11: I'm Michael Batari, and along with my partner, Ronald Case, we're designing the scenery and the costumes. You know, tell us a little bit about Night of the Hunter. It's based on a best-selling novel by Davis Grubb,
12: which uh, was on the New York Times bestseller list in 1954, was then bought for the movies, and turned into a classic film noir, which was directed by Charles Lawton, his only directing job. He's a great actor. It starred Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters, and Lillian Gish. Uh, The film has become a classic. AFI has named it one of the 100 greatest films of the 20th century. But my late partner, Clay Richardson, the great composer who did The Grass Harp on Broadway with Barbara Cook, it was his idea to turn this into a musical. When I first saw the film it was really scary. And I went, you really want to turn this into a musical? I can't quite believe it. But then I read the novel, which was so poetic and so beautifully written and had a different thrust really than the film. It wasn't just scary. It was about a little boy and his journey to becoming a grown-up. And I knew that the lyrics just popped out from the page. It was, it's in that classic, uh, Southern Gothic mode, like Truman Capote. And it's a, gorgeous novel, so we just started writing that, and, uh, Here we are several years later like most musicals after workshops and readings and even a production in san francisco which brian starred in which went really well and now we're here in new york showing our wares
0: brian you've done a lot of pretty big things you know in broadway that people might have seen you in correct
10: i'm very fortunate yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) well really quick Uh, just say a couple of them
10: i was in phantom the opera here on broadway uh, les miserables jesus Christ, superstar um played cable opposite Robert Goulet in South Pacific which was a huge thrill and also opposite my wife who happened to play Liat the last three months of the show right after we got married she came on board and it was kind of like a three month extended honeymoon to sing Younger Than Springtime to my wife eight times a
0: week is fantastic so I'm very blessed. Now is this uh your first time getting in very early on a
10: project? Yes uh, I was very fortunate I, I came to audition for the Broadway workshop about three years ago uh, where I was cast in the role as Ben Harper, the gentleman who starts the whole ball rolling here, stealing the money, in *Night of the Hunter*. Then, when we moved the production to its out-of-town tryout at San Francisco, uh, I assumed the role of the preacher. So I you're know. having fun with this role? <laughs> Unbelievable! I, I I get a huge you know kick every time I sing this part, and and my wife uh, is hearing me <laughs> sing it endlessly <laughs> yes. at home. So it's it's uh, there's always something different to be found in this. It's and he gets to be good
12: and character. evil, you know, it, it, within a whole show.
0: And and kill it's
12: and kill Hody. You
0: get to kill De I <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like this has had a little bit more like extensive out of town tryouts than maybe some of the other. It was a great. It was a great
12: production. We got to work on it there. We got wonderful reviews. It was in a small theater outside of just outside of San Francisco, and and most of the talent was local. And we're just we're happy now to step up and use all this these incredible Broadway people. Uh.
0: Well, before we talk a little bit further, why don't we take a listen to one of the songs sure from you know. Night of the Hunter? Do you want to introduce this first song we're going to play?
12: This, in fact, is the preacher's first number. This is uh, tells who his character is. He's a man we tell right off the bat, someone who has goes around killing widows for their money. But he does. He is so charming in this song that we kind of almost th- forgive him. And that's called, the song is called The Lord Will Provide.
13: Well, Lord, you sure do work in mysterious ways. You made me borrow that car and put me in prison for it, and I wondered, why, Lord, why? Then it came to me. You put me in jail to meet Ben Harper and find out about that $10,000 he stole and the widow he left behind. So, Lord, point these feet where you want them to go and tell me what you want these hands to do what is it to be Lord what is it to be another widow how many will that make Lord ten or six or three what's one more widow what is it to be mm, it's getting late but I can wait Lord I I was just a and on my pappy's knee. He said, now we ain't rich, but we ain't poor. We got enough to put a possum on the table, but not enough to put a little bit aside. We may live in a shack, but anything we lack, believe me, boy, the Lord'll provide. The Lord'll provide. Believe me, boy, the Lord'll provide. Then I began a growing and I heard the call. It said to go and preach from shore to shore. Now preaching's a profession that is never stable. So Pappy said to keep your options open wide. It's a sign of a man, you do the best you can. And all the rest, the Lord will provide. and I did your work. I took your book along for the ride, lived in rooms like a drummer or a grocery clerk, waiting for the Lord to provide. Then you brought me a widow with a water catch, cash, a weeping and a wailing with grief. And I wed me that widow, and she gave me her cash, and I gave her began a whole chain of events. But Lord, I just can't seem to keep count. Now let's see. There was the widow back in Sisterville and one in Cincinnati. The fat one up the river with the mother. Another that was waiting for the train to Albuquerque who babbled like a book and Stupid, they were simple, ring and understandably. All those powdered faces blend into one, but afterwards, it always be a little roll of money to keep your blessed garden nicely seated. I always do my best, Lord, and in return, I'm blessed, Lord, because you have always brought me what I needed. Now, what is it to be, Lord? is full of sin, but I can take it, Lord, as long as you are there to mind the storm. A man who's fighting Cain has got to prove he's able, and up until the present you've been satisfied. Though the Bible is sweet, a man's got to eat. I'm hungry, Lord, it's time to provide time. A town, young. Man. What's the name of it? Cressops Landon. It's good to know.
0: All right, now Michael, I understand there's quite a lot of interesting uh, design concepts involved with the show.
11: That yes, yes, uh, the the festival as they do several shows a day, so you, whatever you design has to go in there in 30 minutes and and be struck in 30 minutes. So it has to be very simple. And I, my partner and I got to thinking, if we had to do one background for the entire show, what would it be? And we thought a star drop, uh, you know, one of those wonderful pulsating star drops that do tricks, too. They they get brighter, they get very dim, they turn colors. That was the first thing we thought of. Um, well, we can hang that up quickly. And we also thought, with all the different locations, maybe there's a way to combine shapes, very simple shapes. And we we chose crates, because the a lot of the porches of the Depression era remind you of kind of weathered wood crates. So we have these three crates or boxes that are different shapes that become everything in the show. So it's a totally minimalist idea. It's not only economical. It's also artistic, you know, Mm -hmm. a minimalist concept. This is in West Virginia in the Depression. We're lucky it's not a glitzy
12: show. It doesn't require a staircase and a red dress. Uh, um, But it also, the concept which came... Uh, partially from the film is is that a story is being told and and so it's a bunch of people out there in the depression
11: telling this story to help the little boy whose story it's about John. Likewise with the costumes we're keeping a base costume of you know early depression very simple that hats and three guys become policemen at one point and they're even in a different color but we use the color of the blue men they're called and so the hats and the billy clubs are blue, added to this base sort of neutral costume. You know, and lighting helps,
0: too. Yeah, lighting, I guess, is one of the areas where I think people have a little bit of the most flexibility. Do, though do you have to stick to a lighting plot, The standard lighting yes, plot. Yes, yes, scene?
11: yes absolutely. And we're also, sh- the week we're in there, we have to share the lighting with the other shows that week. So we're coordinating as much as we can uh, with it, because, you know, everyone's only thinking of their show. <laughs> <laughs>
12: But, but. but we're cooperative. We're trying. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Brian, not only yourself, but there is an amazing cast in this show. It seems like it must be a lot of fun to be working with these people. It's just stellar. I mean, we're blessed to have the wonderful Dee Hody, Beth
10: Fowler, Mary Stout, Jerry Vici. It's, it's just a star-studded cast. And uh, we didn't go into it just yet, but there are two stellar children who are on this show who actually carry a lot of the plot and a lot of the story. And they, they're, they're just amazing to watch. Uh, these Cy Adamovsky is the is the lead
12: boy. The Lead Jean, boy, yeah. he's
10: just uh, he really carries. It's a responsibility to carry a majority of the second act, and he just steps up to the plate and he just he just hits it right out of the ballpark. Fantastic cast, but he's we are truly lead, blessed with yeah. an exceptional group of you know Tony nominated people and just oh, just yeah. pros, you know, all the way through.
0: Now, as I understand it, there was a story involved about getting the rights to do this. Property. Oh, there's always a rights story, yeah. And I,
12: I've done several shows where I've dealt with rights, and uh, Dodsworth, and uh, Time After Time is another one of my musicals. But this one, I was with a big agency, and the composer was with a big agency, and none of the big agencies could find out where these rights lied. Was it with the movie company? Uh, I decided, after no one could find out, To I knew Davis Grubb was dead. And I said, but you know what? I'm just going to look up the name Grubb is such an odd name. G-R-U-B-B in the phone book. And in the Manhattan phone book, I found a Lewis Grubb. And I called him up and I said, are you any relation to Davis Grubb? He was his brother. (laughs) And he lived on the Upper West Side, a few blocks away from Clay Richardson, the composer. We met with him. He was a commercial artist. He loved music. He heard Clay's score to the grass harp. He read one of my shows, an award-winning show called After the Fair, which Michael and Ron and I did together at the York Theater. He just said, everyone wants the rights to this, but I'm giving them to you. (laughs) And we signed a contract. Lou was the most supportive person we uh, made a recording, a commercial recording. We got Warner Chapel published the music. Lou passed away and his widow was just as supportive. And we have those rights with, to an incredible, incredible piece. And I, I, I'm a great adapter. I love adapting great works. So this is...
0: Before we kind of close out really quickly, I understand uh, that, Michael, you have a rebuttal you would like to make.
11: Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, we were talking earlier about the fact that this show, we're doing it with three crates and the director said wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a turntable (laughs) of course we can't and we did a turntable on Broadway in fact we did two turntables one inside the other on Broadway with a show called little known show called Prince of Central Park that for any uh, Broadway trivia fans uh, closed in five days but uh, Ken Mandelbaum's wonderful book about Broadway flops, I think not it's since called it, Not Since Carrie, has it mentioned that um, the turntable was known to get stuck. And I was at every performance, <laughs> that turntable never got stuck. Maybe it looked like it got stuck because we were having some other problems, but uh, the turntable never got stuck, so let it be it known. It was never the problem with the set. <laughs> that, that <show>. and, oh. <laughs> Sorero, the designer,
0: gets to rebut. Yeah, Yeah, thank you very much. Well, for the people who are looking to catch Night of the Hunter, uh, what are the dates? Oh, we open on uh, September 26th, then we run through October 1st. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming down and chatting thank you thank you thank you for having us Uh, as we close out would you like to introduce the second song we're going to play
12: oh sure this is uh looking ahead this is a more ensemble piece uh sung on this cd by the great sally mays and Marsha lewis and and a bunch of Mm -hmm. and a chorus people uh it's about willa the character that d hody is playing it's about her looking ahead to something better in in life it also includes a little piece called ouija which is kind of funny Which, uh, Marsha Lewis does great on the CD, but Mary Stout kills. (laughs) Come see Mary Stout make you laugh. (laughs) All right, well,
0: here's looking ahead.
13: There. Now we'll find out what we need to know. Put the kettle on, Walt. Make some tea. Takes a while for Ouija to warm up. Now don't talk. It gets the spirits nervous.
2: Ouija, Ouija, Ouija.
13: Well, his next husband gonna be Weegee is a thing that's always wise And Weegee never lies I see, please Hush, something's happening Walt, turn off the kettle
1: See, now ain't this exciting L, a person never ought to scoff O, oh, what is it writing T
11: but you said to turn the kettle off. H
1: H
2: C-L-O-T-H Cloth,
1: cloth. Maybe he's a drummer. Maybe he is a drummer. A peddler who will pick up and hit the road. Maybe there's a
13: Looking
2: for a husband?
13: Unless the cloth means something else. Nah. Well, we'll try again another day. Weegee's mighty good at looking ahead, honey.
1: So am I, I see. So am I. I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing a boy going nowhere i don't want you to go to that uncle birdies he's an old drunk and a dirty old man he's not he was dad's friend i don't want you to go john (laughs) i'm looking ahead and i'm seeing a face full of wrinkles. Just give my pa and Uncle Bertie both me
2: head,
1: To the day I ain't afraid friend come keep your mama company while she darts No, I'm very busy playing with Miss Jenny Wilters Jenny
0: Before we get to our last song in this program, I just would like to take a moment to remind everybody, please get involved, get on our forums. It's a great place for you to meet a lot of other like-minded people. Give us some reviews in iTunes. It really helps us show everybody we're trying to interview how much you enjoy the show. Also, the more active you can get with those reviews and the forums, we're already in discussions with High Fidelity to do some extensive coverage on the show as they go to Broadway. But we might even be able to work out some great contests, you know, like possibly, I'm not going to promise anything yet, but like opening night ticket giveaways, opening night parties and stuff. But you need to show your enthusiasm to do that. Also on the forum, I'm more than willing to take your suggestions on how to improve the show and make Broadway Bullet the best show and the best source for your weekly theater entertainment. We interviewed some people involved with Gogo Go Beach in Volume 3, and I saw the show this past weekend, and I really enjoyed it. They have a little bit of first act work to do in the book to clean it up, but the show shows tons of promise, and there's tons of great songs, and so I wanted to play one more here. An old friend of the gang comes back from, well, San Francisco, and this number ensues, called In San Francisco, from Go Go Beach.
2: Sunshine, laughter. As free as the ocean air, music, flowers, peace and love, every.
0: Two performances remaining for GoGo Beach, and I believe you can still snag some tickets. So visit nymf.org for more information. We got two more episodes with great coverage of the New York Musical Theater Festival on the way in the next two weeks. I'll be back next week. Until then, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and you've been listening to Broadway Bullet. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow.